You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Many of you know that when I'm asked by my seatmate on an airplane what I do for a living, that I've been known to say, um, I work for a nonprofit. <laughs> because when I say I'm a pastor, then I have to sit through whatever reaction they have. And I'm used to people sort of looking at me suspiciously, either because they're pretty sure I just lied to them, (laughs) or because I now represent an institution they distrust, which I totally get. But the reaction that is the most exhausting is from people who for some reason feel guilty or like, like they have to justify to me why they don't go to church, when in all honesty, I seriously don't care. One of the more interesting things folks will say to me is, I'm not religious or anything. I just hope that being a good person is enough. To which I always want to say, enough for what? (laughs) Avoiding the punishment of burning in eternal fires of some kind of imaginary hell? No wonder people act weird when I say I'm a pastor, since apparently so many of them, even those who have nothing to do with Christianity, are convinced that I broker in a moral reward and punishment system. Like we're all rats in some kind of cruel cosmic lab experiment, receiving shocks from God for going the wrong way and little reward pellets for going the right way in our existential maze. I'm surprised any of you are here. But don't you think Christianity has completely lost the plot if, we, if it makes itself out to be some kind of sin management program for people who want to ensure they're good enough to avoid punishment and receive rewards? When in reality, this faith is about raising the dead. It's about forgiveness and reconciliation and mercy and love and a God who would go to ridiculous lengths to remind us that all that is God's is already ours. Yet two days ago, I received a heartbreaking message on the wall of my public Facebook page. It was from an 82-year-old woman who's terrified that God is angry at her, and so she's afraid to die. She'd been so condemned by the bogus reward and punishment system of false religion that at the end of her life, rather than her faith being a source of comfort for her, it is a source of torment for her. So this week, I started to wonder if maybe It was exactly that kind of thinking that made Jesus tell this parable of the prodigal son. So this week, I realized basically, here's what the first three verses of our gospel reading says. Now, all the bad people who should be punished were coming near to listen to Jesus. 
And the good people who should be rewarded were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes bad people. And rather than punishing them for being bad, he totally just takes them out to dinner. <laughs> and so Jesus told them this parable of two sons. The first son took his inheritance and left town and squandered everything he'd been given. Kind of like a child who, if given the freedom to choose for themselves what they eat, they gleefully gorge themselves on Fruit Loops and Snickers for breakfast and then Mountain Dew and Funyuns for lunch and a dinner of only double stuffed Oreos. And then by the next night, they're basically begging for broccoli. <laughs> the younger son had been belligerently independent and self-focused. So sure that if he got everything he wanted, he'd be happy, and instead he got everything he wanted, and he was miserable. And so returning home, with his head hung low, he glances up, and he sees the father running to him. Before the younger son could even get his totally rehearsed speech out of his mouth, the father throws his arms around him and covers him in love. What was lost is found, what was dead is alive, says the father, none of which are moral categories. These things call not for condemnation, but for a party, says the father. And so he hires a DJ and an amazing caterer, and there's dancing and song and drink and joy, and the younger son, well, he may have squandered his freedom in self-indulgent excess, but the older son was just as wasteful. The older son squandered his freedom by thinking he didn't have any. He didn't believe that all that was the father's was his. He squandered the gifts of the father by living a life of mirthless duty. And coming home from the field, he hears the party underway, and he resents such a lavish show of love, thinking it a limited resource. He was being a complete ass, and yet again, the father comes to him and reminds him of the great love he has for his child. The father sacrifices his dignity twice by running into the street to embrace his children, not as a reward for the children being good, but because that is simply the father's nature. We are children of a God who does things like that. So in response to the incredulous religious people of his day who were trying desperately to uphold their re reward and punishment program, Jesus told them a parable about a seemingly bad son and a seemingly good son, and how not one thing about their behavior had any effect whatsoever on the heart of their father. All the love that the father had was theirs no matter what. Everything the father had was theirs. So the tragic thing about this story isn't that one was selfish and one was resentful. The tragic thing is that neither of them trusted the love of the father. And when that love is not trusted as being sufficient, we replace freedom with a punishment and reward system. I like to imagine, I like to imagine that the older brother finally relented and came to the party. And after refusing to dance or eat or drink anything, the groove of that Marvin Gaye song, <laughs> it was like too much to resist and his head started bopping and his toe started tapping and the next time a waiter passed with a tray of champagne glasses, he took one. And eventually he smiled at his younger brother from across the room, and the resentment and jealousy melted away. And when they embraced, it was as though the heart of their father burned between them, and again they loved each other. And soon the younger brother started helping in the fields again, and they both became agents of the same grace and mercy and love and reconciliation that they received from the father. 
if my work as a pastor and a theologian does nothing else in the world, I wish it would do this one thing. That those in my care may know this. <clears throat> if you have been told that God is some kind of punishing, capricious, angry bastard with a killer surveillance system who's basically always disappointed with you for being a human being, then you have been lied to. The church has failed you, and I'm so sorry. For some reason, there's so much of Christianity that's felt more comfortable with the punishment and reward system than it is with living in the pure love and freedom that Jesus has secured for us. So if you hear nothing else, hear this. That punishing God is not the God I know. And it is not the God revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. This Jesus who ate with sinners and tax collectors and pissed off the religious authorities because he was so clearly free from their control and who loved and healed and forgave people indiscriminately, well, this Jesus was God's way of telling us who God is. So this is the God I know because I know that when I reject my identity as a beloved child of God and I turn to my own plans of self-satisfaction or I despair that I haven't managed to be a good enough person. I again see our divine parent running toward me, uninterested in what I've done or not done, who again covers me in divine love and I melt into something new like having again been moved from death to life and I reconcile aspects of myself and I reconcile to others around me but I'm human, so inevitably some anxiety or resentment sets me off and I start the whole cycle over again. And that's okay because we have endless opportunities to lift our heads and see how the divine parent is running toward us, calling us home, reminding us of God's love for us and freeing us to be agents of reconciliation in the world. So when you wander, looking for what you need, or when you live in such a small way because you don't think you have what you need, know this. You already have everything you need. All the grace and forgiveness and mercy and reconciliation of God is already yours. So forget that whole, I hope being a good person is enough. That's not even really a thing. The mercy, love, forgiveness, and reconciliation of God is a thing, and it is enough. And all of it, every single ounce of it, is already yours. It will not be taken away as a punishment, and it will not be granted as a reward, because it is your inheritance as a child of God. You have what you need. And the DJ has been hired, and the dancing begun, and the feast prepared before you even walked in this door. So come to this feast of bread and wine knowing that everything God has is yours and that it is enough. Amen. <laughs>